Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I honestly, I didn't, I didn't want to preach today. I didn't want to. Um, I, I don't know, some of you know about this last month, but it's been incredibly um, beautiful and also traumatic. Um, we had a really gnarly um, birth with Peter where he was unresponsive when he was born um, and just blue and limp and lifeless. Um, and he came back to life. Um, we were in the, praise Jesus. Um, we, were, we were in the NICU. Yeah, seriously. We were in the NICU with potential complications with him as well um, in the first week. And um, we found out there, they'd run maybe a dozen tests and they found not a single thing. And we do think there was something going on, but it was this house that was praying over him that shifted it. So to be completely honest, coming up to this point, I've actually never felt more um, drained and more empty preaching than, than right now. But I was just reminded, because um, I'm watching our, a lot of messages to get filled up, right? And Pastor Jurgen um, had a message recently where he reminded us that um, God fills every space that he enters. So I was like, well, it's kind of a blessing that I'm empty then, because that means there's more room for God to fill, right? Um, so to honor, honor my wife, honor Corey, um, I know you guys love her, you know how amazing she is, but just to give you like a glimpse of truly how um, amazing of a woman she is, um, just from putting the whole orchestra together for the night of Christmas while being in her third trimester and playing like first chair violin for like eight hours, um, and then leading up to, she did her birth, was 19 hours of labor, all natural. Um, she is an amazing woman and when I was talking to her, I was like, babe, I don't, I don't wanna do this. I'm not gonna say yes. And she was like, well, you have a choice. You, you, can, you can either back down and take the easy route or you can, you can believe that God's gonna meet you there. Yeah. So being a smart husband, here I am. Um, and today, I really, um, I'm gonna drop just three points really quick and I'm gonna get into it um, because when Pastor Samuel um, talked to us about, about the, the topic, he was like, I really feel like your guys' testimony is, is what's been highlighted, um, which really explains the, the level of warfare that has been around this message for me personally. I mean, every, everything um, that has uh, attacked me in my past, reared its head in this season again. Um, but because of the people in this house, because of praying, believing, prophesying, powerful friends and family, we're up here. We're up here in power and in strength and in victory. Um, so three points, rapid, remember. That's also the title of the message is, oh yeah, you can take a seat. Sorry, you could have taken a seat like two minutes ago. I just figured if I have to stand, so do you, you know? They said like, it's better like standing desk, right? This is a standing pew. Yeah, um, 
So uh, let me, I'm going to pray real quick, too, before I get into it. Father God, I thank you for your presence in this room right now. God, I thank you for such a hungry, hungry, hungry group of people, God, that is yearning after you, yearning after your heart for an encounter, an intimate glance into the depths of you, God. So let today be not my words, but yours that come forth, Father. Less of me and more of you. God, we know you're on the move. We just bless this whole room right now in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> All right. So three points. So we're talking about testimonies, right? It's super important um, that we remember what our testimony is. The first point is remember. I'm going to read um, 1 Timothy 1 through 115 out of the message version, which is a version I don't usually read, but I feel like it captures um, this verse really well. In um, NIV, I think it says, I, Paul, the chief of sinners, which is a little braggadocious in a kind of funny way. So I was like, well, what, that? what else does that mean? So I looked into the message, and this does it really well. So 1 Timothy 1.15, here's a word you can take to heart and depend on. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. I'm proof, public sinner number one, of someone who could never have made it apart from sheer mercy. And now he shows me off, evidence of his endless patience to those who are right on the edge of trusting him forever. So I normally... Um, when I give my testimony, I actually kind of skip a lot of the, the, the pain and the, the troubles of my past and really focus on the victory, which is, a, I think, a good thing to do in a lot of scenarios. But um, one time I was going up in our recovery ministry and giving my testimony, and Corey, again, super prophetic, uh, she had a word. She said, share the smoke, because if... Uh, Remember, so when, when, when the men were thrown into the furnace, it said they came out um, not even smelling of smoke. So she said, if, you know, when people look at you, they have no idea what your past was like, what God has truly brought you out of, so you need to share the smoke. So today I'll be sharing the smoke after I run through these points real quick. And um, again, it's, it's not to focus on the, the pain or the hardship, but it's really to give God honor and glory fully. And um, there's so much power in speaking from a place of vulnerability. Uh, it's something that, it's, it's really funny. I actually don't really feel nervous usually um, giving my testimony or giving um, uh, or preaching, but when I'm giving my full testimony, I actually felt super nervous coming into it. And I feel like it was because of the weight that God has put on this and the unlocking that God is going to do. Um, the second point, again, rapid fire, and then we'll cover them a little bit again uh, as I'm going through my story. But the second point is get up again. So uh, Mike Tyson has a quote that I've, I've just, I feel like I've heard five or six times recently. So it's super funny when God is speaking to you through secular uh, sources, secular thorthes. Um, <laughs> uh, but Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face, right? Um, and it's a really powerful quote because it just means, and it kind of goes along the biblical verses, like uh, men make plans and God laughs, right? Because he's like, oh, well, cool, that's a good plan, but you're about to get punched in the face. 
he knows. Um, and my, my story, I'd say if I would have one plan throughout my life that's actually been sure, it's to get back up again after getting punched in the face. And it, it sounds like a, um, a cheap plan, but honestly, uh, if that's your only plan is to get back up again, it's, it's a good one. It's a good plan. Um, we have Proverbs 24, 16. It says, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. So that's a really awesome uh, qualifier for righteousness. Because that, it's not saying, I think we expect a lot of times, I know I do, is that when it says um, the righteous blank, I go, well, the righteous never stumble, or the righteous are just perfect, or the righteous X, Y, Z, but it generally comes from uh, the righteous don't make mistakes. It's kind of from a performance mentality, from a works mentality, from a religious spirit. Um, but really, Proverbs is saying is like, every time you make a mistake, just get back up. Every time you get punched, just get back up. And you'll see through my story that, that really a lot of the time, the only thing that I did was get back up. Uh, and then point number three um, is tell somebody. This is what I'm about to do. I'm going to live out point number three right here. Um, but it says in Revelation 12, 11, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. I feel like God just gave me a revelation as that shrink from death portion. Because I think that when we hide the, the wickedness that we used to live in, we're actually shrinking from death. We're saying, well, eh, I don't know if I really want to share that with everyone because I feel like that has a lot of strength and power instead of realizing that by revealing that, we're actually highlighting the goodness and the strength of God. So... We're going to get into it right after a little sip of pastor water. Thank you, Jeff Kim, wherever you are. So it all started in Baylor Hospital in Dallas, Texas, 1992. Just kidding. I, no, that'd be a, I don't think I have enough time. Uh, but I do actually want to talk about uh, briefly from a very young age. Um, when I was a baby, I don't even remember. Uh, I come under what I know now is spiritual assault. Um, I was born with an umbilical cord wrapped around uh, my neck, and, and I also was born in the same way my son was born. So it was interesting, that um, parallel. Uh, and from a, from a young age, I, I would not sleep. Um, luckily, Peter is doing much better than I did in that regard. Um, but I wouldn't sleep. And I remember from uh, even a young kid, I would have these dreams that were horrific. Like every night I would dream like a different rendition of my death. I would, I would, I, I've seen in my, and this is like a four or five year old, six year old, uh, watching himself in his dreams be brutally murdered. I watched myself be burned alive, um, watch my brother strangle me, watch, and I have very vivid and prophetic dreams. And it was uh, every night to the point where I actually started really being afraid to fall asleep. Um, I, my parents are very loving, and they did uh, the best they could without any spiritual equipment raising a child that had a prophetic voice from a young age and was under attack. Um, and luckily, Peter is born in a house where his parents do know that. 
because I have no idea what you would do without that. You, you know, your kid is going to suffer if you do not stand up for him in spiritual battles and put a hedge of protection around him. Because we do, there is, there is a spiritual battle going on for our souls. And the greater the anointing on your life, the, the greater that battle is going to be. Um, so from a young age, I, I had a lot of spiritual sensitivity. There was a lot of um, supernatural activity that was around my house. I would hear, I had my parents probably called the exterminators like a dozen times a year because I would hear um, what sounded like large rats in the ceiling. Um, uh, there was like this, this pre and again, now I know it as, as demonic oppression. It's a real thing. I'm not saying demons are on every rock, but they're under some of them. Um, <laughs> And he, so I, I would feel this, I, I would, it would get to the point where um, I had been to a lot of different doctors. This is by the time I was like eight or nine, I had been diagnosed with ADHD, bipolar, obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, one doctor even said potentially schizophrenia. Um, all things that are medical professionals that are well-trained that don't have any spiritual knowledge. Because oftentimes, and this happens to us too if we're not careful, um, if we let the world assign our experiences, we're going to be very confused, very broken, and, and, and led astray. But at the time, I, I, had, I had no idea. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a child. I, don't, I, was raised, I was actually raised in the church. So while all this is going on, um, I'm starting to harbor a level of bitterness in my heart not just towards um, the world who I knew. I, I used to cling to the verse that said, you are not, you are not of this world. I'm like, duh, <laughs> I get that, I feel that. Um, but I used to that, I, I started to then get a bitterness towards the church as well that I was raised in because I saw so much darkness and so much supernatural power coming from the other side. And then I read the Bible and I was like, well, the church is supposed to lay hands and heal. The church is supposed to drive out demons. The church is supposed to walk in power. The church, Jesus said that you will do these things and greater, but that wasn't my experience. So I started to get really angry, not just with the church that I was in, but the, also the, with God. Um, so fast forward a little bit through my life. Um, I get angrier and angrier, more frustrated and frustrated. Sleep at this point is like a um, very distant thing. Uh, I developed chronic insomnia. Um, and I would sleep probably 12 to 24 hours a week. Um, I was uh, really struggling um, to understand any meaning. Again, this is, I didn't have the capacity to understand or to relate what was going on in my life, especially not towards other kids, and then also not to any adults, because I felt estranged from my peers, yet adults didn't know what to do either. So I felt very alone. Um, and then I would fall into, I would go into prayer, I'd go into the word, but then I would go to people to try to justify this relationship with God, which is a very sketchy mistake to do. Um, because essentially I was looking for people to qualify that I was hearing from God, um, which is good to look for confirmation. It's good when there's significant moves. That's a very good thing. But if you are questioning every time God speaks by having to go, okay, well, hey, why, I, what did God really say? Like, to me, that, like, everything you're doing is you're doubting and questioning and in and, and unbelief, and, and you're saying, well, I don't know, did God really say? 
which I don't know if you've read Genesis, but that's <laughs> a little sketchy. Um, so you fast forward, and, and in sixth grade, I think it was sixth grade, I drank for the first time. Uh, I was uh, at a friend's house. I went to a Christian school, uh, and I went to a buddy's house, and I drank. And for the first time, this level of um, oppression and just uh, attack quieted for a moment. Um, which the enemy will do. The enemy will back you into a corner and make it look like your only little escape is a door that he's painted. Um, and sin always, sin always is enticing and appealing initially. It always is. Otherwise, we would never do it. If, if sin was like the devil waving a pitchfork and like burning flames and highly painful from the get-go, none of us would ever sin. That's it's obvious. Um, so he entices us often through um, creating scenarios that make it look like, well, you have to, if you're not walking in faith and you're not surrounded by a church like this, he'll make it look like, well, this is your only way out. Um, and I found that as a kid. I found drinking was my only way out. So that accelerated um, just a generational curse. Uh, but I, by the time I was in eighth grade, was... I would say probably a full-blown alcoholic. Um, I did not know how to cope with life other than drinking by that point. Um, and I did not know a different solution. And I was so embittered and angry with God that um, I had resolved at a very young age, probably seventh, eighth grade, around the same time, that like I was going to die early. I was going to live in spite to this world. And I, be I, I believed I was saved. I was like, God, get me out. I don't want to be here anymore. Um, so you take that, that was born in a private Christian school. Uh, in eighth grade, I, I tried to kill myself as well. I'm just, I'm just glossing over that. But uh, I, it just got bad enough where, where I tried to take my own life. Um, and that not only invited this, this spirit of addiction that was already uh, generationally over my life, but there was also the spirit of death over my life. So through my whole family line, there is um, invention, greatness, suicide. Invention, greatness, suicide. Prosperous. Um, and it, it, so I used to stare at this board when I was a kid. But take all that, put it inside of a public school, which I went to a public school in high school. And it, what it does is, is it accelerates. It basically puts gasoline on a fire. Um, so I'm not going to get into everything. But by the time I was 16, um, I was 135 pounds. Um, that is 100 pounds lighter than I am now at the same height. Um, I looked like, uh, I looked like a, a victim of war. Uh, I was, you could see all my bones. Um, I was highly addicted to morphine and Oxycontin. Um, I, it was just essentially whatever I could get on. Um, it, didn't, it didn't matter. I just didn't want to feel how I was feeling. And because I'm like a pretty big guy, it took a lot. Um, and I got sent away. So when I was in the middle of the night, right after, and I believe this is you know, God's perfect timing, uh, right after I was in a car with the guy that we used to, um, whatever, there was heroin that was introduced in this environment. And um, heroin addicts are not uh, generous, so there was none that I could try. <laughs> Thank God. 
For real. I, I don't know how else to say that. I get, yeah, I, I wanted some. They're like, no. I was like, whoa. Don't you read the Bible? <laughs> the life of the generals gets upward and upward. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but um, so that happened that day. I, I had a bunch of um, uh, I, other, other things, and I woke up in the middle of the night, still very high um, on Xanax and like a cocktail of other things. Again, I was 16. Um, and if you have kids in that age range, the world is not going to hold back from them. Um, so have honest conversation with them. Make sure there's like a very open place for them to talk to you. Uh, and don't shy away from difficult topics because the world will not. The world will not. Um, so um, I wake up in the middle of the night to two huge Samoan guys in my room saying, wake up, it's time to go. Honestly, I was so high that I just listened. Usually I was a very violent, um, very aggressive kid, but I, I, was basic, I had basically sedated myself. Um, they took me to LAX. From LAX, uh, I was shipped over to Utah, where there was a long-term um, care facility. Um, had like a higher uh, security rating than juvenile hall, because no one would take me anywhere. Um, I got, uh, I've never technically been expelled, but I've been asked not to come back to any school I've been to. <laughs> Um, so I went off to Utah, which honestly saved my life. I really did, even, even back then. Even, and, and I share all this to say, like, I should not, by the world standards, I should be dead a hundred times over. I can't even, I, I'm not even going to get into a small portion of the amount of times where um, I have been saved by the grace of God with my own hand driving against it, with my own hand trying to take my own life. Because as an adult now looking back, I can tell that oh, all throughout addiction, all throughout this time, I was just trying to end my own life. I just didn't want this. I didn't want any of the world. I, didn't, I was like, okay, God, I believe in you. I don't want to spit in the face of the life you've given me, but I'm gonna long-term pull the plug. Um, so I'm going to fast forward to college. So after this, I have uh, basically been freed from, from a lot of this stuff into college. Um, I had a bout with it again. And this plagued me throughout my whole life. I would, I would get broken. I would fall into psychosis or um, get arrested or do something like this. I would have a come to Jesus moment. And then um, my life would get reset for a little bit. And the same thing started to happen as I came to Awaken. So I came to Awaken, and I still had addiction. I still had alcoholism. I still had all this darkness. Now, my life looked a lot better. Um, there was a lot of freedom that I had experienced, but I still had addiction when I came into this house. And I tried for a long time to hide that. I tried to shove it under the rug. I said, well, okay, I'm just going to surround myself with all these people that are getting free and all these people that um, are walking in God's goodness. And eventually, if I just stay around it long enough, um, it'll come off on me. God will do it in me too, which is true, but it does have a caveat because God will do that 
when you open up to him, to them, and partner with them. He, in my experience, will not do it while you sit in the back and hide and hope that he does it, but don't tell anybody that you're struggling. Because I did it for probably three years, if I'm doing the math right, I think it was two or three years where I was here hiding in the back, weeping, hoping God would save me, but not experiencing freedom because I didn't want to let anyone know I was dying. It was not a good thing to do. (laughs) And if you can take anything from this, hit the the accelerate button and, and, and skip all of the struggling that I went through by just admitting that you need help now. Um, and I share all of that with you to now share all the victory that God's done in my life. Because again, I think that the only thing that I've done, honestly, is get back up again. Like I, I, I if getting back up again is the only qualification for righteousness, then I'm very happy with that. Because I can, I can do that. I can, I, can, I can get back up, whether it's bloody, broken, bruised, I can get back up again. Um, and it's not through my power either. I just know, I know because of the, the amount of times that I've been down and God has reached his hand down and said, okay, son, come back. Let's try this again. I know that God is for me and I know that he will pick me up again. Um, from the time, and, and a lot of you from this point on is, is the, the, a lot of the testimony that I've shared. Um, from, it, again, trying to actually take my own life, I had still not uh, been delivered from that spirit of death that I made an agreement with when I was 13 years old and that had been plaguing my family for a whole, probably hundreds of years. Uh, it was broken off in this house. Uh, I met my beautiful wife, um, in this house. Uh, we got married in this house. We, with no, we, I was making $30,000 a year and um, ha- you know, having a beautiful wife and saw Mike Finn. Mike Finn's like, we got a house and we had no money for it. I was like, well, I am significantly below the poverty line in San Diego, <laughs> but if you can do it for Mike Finn, then you can do it for me too, God. So with, with really nothing, with no business believing for it, but because of seeing God's goodness in, in my whole life, knowing he can do all of this, I'm like, well, you can kind of do anything. You can kind of do anything, so you can do this too. So we got a house. Um, we had like a relative come out from the woodworks and um, partner with my mom, and um, we, we got a home in La Costa, and um, we did not have any business owning a home there. And it literally, I did the math too. I was like, okay, God, this is great. We have this house. In four months, we're not gonna be able to afford it. <laughs> um, I, I, I looked, I was, I was like, okay, like obviously like you did this, you'll do that. Um, but I looked and we hit a point, I told Corey, I was like, we hit that, we hit that mark, and I was like, okay, we've now blown, we, we are through savings. We are, we, from this point forward, we will be drawing from credit cards until God 
pulls us out in order to pay for this mortgage. And from just before we bought the house to right now, um, God has doubled our income three times. Um, and that's through tithing in this house. I was actually, um, I actually, part of me, and I'm going to say this a little hesitantly, part of me enjoys being accosted by a religious spirit because they always attack prosperity, prophecy, and healing. And those are the three things that I found in this house that I didn't have in the last house that have set my life apart from what it was before. And I was recently attacked uh, from someone who's very kind but has made a partnership with that spirit and is trying to explain through theology traumatic things that have happened in their life instead of taking the step of faith that says God can do. And just because I haven't seen it been done, I know he can because he said he will. Um, so I want to end this. And I know this was kind of all over the place, but I really just wanted to share with my family, all of you, um, where I came from um, so that when you see me with my beautiful wife and my son, you know that, well, if you can do it for that mess on legs, wow. then you can do it for me. Um, um, and I do, I do want to end with a, um, hey, Chad, we didn't talk about this, but we could bring the band up real quick. Thanks. I love Chad. Yeah, I got the mic. Yeah, kind of can't say, it'd be bad if you say no, right? Like, nah. Um, but I came into this really dry. Honestly, even last night, I was just praying and just telling God, I'm like, okay, like, I'm gonna do this and you're gonna have to show up again. Cause I, I don't have it in me. I can't do it from a performance standpoint. I can't do it from uh, a willpower thing, um, which is a dangerous trap to fall into when you are saved and when you've been saved for a while. Uh, and when God has blessed you a bunch, I know it very well is that it can be, um, you can start to try to take back the wheel and you can start to try to say, thanks for all the blessings, God, I got this, which is so stupid. I'm saying it to myself, not to any of you. I'm not talking about you. This is to me. That's so, so stupid. Um, because if God is gonna take you from all that wreck and can save you from that, then can't he multiply your hand even more when there's actually something in it? So I'm gonna have a, there's gonna be an altar call here right now. For two, for two, two people. Um, the first one is those of you that need a landline now, that you don't know Jesus, that you've never known Jesus. Maybe, and maybe even you were raised in a house that talked about Jesus, but you're like, I just don't know him. I don't know the God that 
that you're talking about that, that saves from the pits of hell. I don't know the God that you're talking about that, that heals, that redeems, that sets free, um, but I want to. Um, the first call is for you. So actually, if we could all close our eyes and, and bow our heads. If that's you and you just need, you need Jesus, you need Jesus right now and, and, and you've not known him before, would you raise your hand on the count of three? On the count of three, would you raise your hand just to say that, Jesus, I am yours? Three, Jesus, I'll give you everything. Two, Jesus, I'm willing to take a chance on you. One, you could just raise your hand if you wanna make that commitment to him. Thank you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see you, we thank you. And now the second, the second call is gonna be for those of you that have known Jesus for quite a while, for quite a while. And maybe um, you, you've done what I did recently is you tried to take the wheel again and say, Jesus, thank you for all the blessings. I've got it from here. And you've felt dry and you're not sure how you can keep doing it. Um, this second call is for you. And if you just need God to make a recommitment in your life and you to do it with him, I want you to raise your hand up as well. That same thing, same thing. Three, two, one. I'm gonna raise my hand up too, I want that. Now, we're all gonna pray the same prayer together because it says, take up your cross daily. To me, that means that when I have these encounters, I'm like, Jesus, I need you. I'm gonna give my life to you again. I do believe that's a daily thing. That's a daily thing. So we're gonna pray this prayer all together. And if you um, give your life for the first time, come and see the lovely Kim right after. But Father God, oh, you can repeat after me. I forgot that part. Uh, Father God, Jesus, I give my life to you. I give my life fully to you. You are my Lord and my Savior. And the rest of my life is about to be the best of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.